Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. Welcome to Space Floor NBA Podcast. My name is Connor Yelan. And I'm Connor Flannery. This is our 82nd official episode. We've got a lot of news around the NBA we haven't recorded for a little bit, so let's dive right on, on into it. The 76ers. They're, they're the team, basically, of the season so yeah. far. It, and it, I think out, the best record in the league, still. Shout out to our boy Ryan Berry for calling it. They have the best record in the East. They've looked very good. Um, mm-hmm. They Especially their top two players, Joel Embiid has looked like an MVP candidate. Whereas Ben Simmons has been very inconsistent. And yet, despite his inconsistencies, they're still killing it. Yeah. Well, the the sort of the, the emerging story of for the 76ers so far has been that Joel Embiid is the leading candidate for MVP in, in most people's books. Um, and now they're coming off a win against the Lakers last night, which makes them topical. Um, because... To this point, they've been really good, but they've been playing a lot of teams that have been injured, they've been missing people to COVID, um, or just they've been playing mediocre teams. We just saw them play and beat the defending NBA champions. You know, and, and so that really solidifies everything we've been seeing from the 76 series, which is that damn this team could like actually win yeah. the East. Not just in the regular season, not just get the one seed, but like there's a real chance this could be a finals team. Um now I guess the the, the, the so the first question I, I got I've got for you and, he, and also for myself to answer is how did they go from the seven seed last year in the East to being the one seed right now? Yeah, What's the, the difference? The, the way you built your mm-hmm. NBA preseason rankings was just looking at last year's and see what has changed. Yeah, which it it does make sense. Yeah, but I also you know think that. Players just have better or worse seasons. Like absolutely, they're, they're, yeah. they're, Like there's no particular reason why Joel Embiid should be better than this year than he is last year. But you know, sometimes things just click. Mm-hmm. Um, sometimes players stay healthy. Sometimes players don't stay healthy. Um, which was a problem for this team last year. Yeah, especially in the playoffs, but in the regular season too. I mean, it will be breaking news to anybody. The best indicator of how a team is going to do next year is how well they did last year. You know, like, like that's <laughs> safe land breaking, <laughs> breaking the NBA. Yeah, no, no one will be surprised to hear that. So, so I guess I, I would have thought that like, okay, the 76ers, I, and I predicted the 76ers were going to be better than they were last year. I didn't expect them to be the best team in the East, you know, and, and that could change. Um, Honestly, with Embiid, the main thing that stands out to me is just the, the pure scoring ability. Like, yeah. He's putting yeah, up yeah. similar rebounds. He's, put, he's putting up similar, uh, like, like assists or whatever. The thing is just, he's all around more efficient he's averaging yep. 27 and a half points which he's done once before he did it two years ago yeah um but compared to that year where he was all nba player i think he was all nba first team maybe all nba second team um in that other year he shot 30 percent from three this year he's shooting 40 percent from three he's and up seven percent in that, both field goal percentage again, and three point percentage. again for a center that that's that's from below average or yeah. just average to definitely above average. And the same thing goes for his just field goal percentage in general. Last or two years ago, when he was having a career year, he averaged he, he, 48% of his shots he made. Mm-hmm. 
where this year he's at he's at 55 or he's at 55 percent it's it's just much more efficient basketball for the 76ers you also you also have to point out that he's shooting almost two and a half more free throws per game And, and that's a big thing is He's being really physical and he's being really aggressive and, and he's going out there and he's scoring the ball and he's attacking well. And when Joel Embiid is doing that, he's one of, if not the most dominant players in the NBA. Yeah, um, He's I, it, really just like crazy hard to stop on both sides of the basketball. I think there's a tendency with him, or at least there used to be, it, just like yeah. there has been in the past few years with a bunch of big men, to be a little too three-point mm-hmm. happy and just stand behind the line um, Again, this is the lowest amount of threes he's shot in his career. Yeah. Even if it's only by one, you know, that's one more attempt per game. And that's one more attempt per game that he's not doing. But it's also, that, that's one more attempt. Whereas he's also, when he's not attempting, he's still standing on the three-point line. Sure. Whereas all those times, now he's just getting a little bit more in the paint. And that also just opens things up for the rest of the offense. Yeah, and, and that's not to say he's been perfect about that. Like. And part of that is it still goes back to the Ben Simmons, Joel Embiid, just like not being a perfect fit for each other thing. But last night and on, on the, I think it was like the second to last possession. Of course, Tobias Harris hit the game winner. So shout out to him for that. And that was sick. But yeah. on the possession for it before that, they had Ben Simmons at the top of the key and they had Joel Embiid sitting in the corner. And I think it was Doris Burke who was like, why is Joel Embiid not like, you know, at the three point line right now? And it was true. And eventually he went in for the rebound, but you know, you would still like to see the 76ers get Joel Embiid to the the ball in the low post at the end of the game, right? Yeah, you would think that that would be sure. the best shot they can get because he's he's so damn good when he's when he's in that I don't know sort of mold. A quick quick side thing. Yeah. When Tobias Harris hit that shot, mm-hmm. Doris Burke was just mid sentence acting like nothing was happening. Like <laughs> like Tobias Harris drilled a game winner with 0.5 seconds left, and Doris Burke is like, yeah, the, yeah, the 76ers, you know, have been playing really well this year. While the ball's in the basket, <laughs> and I was like, I was like, I, I saw it. I didn't watch it live. I saw it on Instagram. I was like, is this a replay? And the, but it wasn't a replay because the next slide was yeah. the replay. Well, I, I have no okay. idea. So put a, put us on TNT or ESPN. Please do. We would love to. We would love to be the broadcasters. Yeah. But and, and then the other thing is is going with the the more free throws thing. Joel Embiid. The, the thing that scares me about him is that he is on the floor so much. <laughs> like every single play, he hits the deck hard. Like so, there was the, the obvious play that comes to mind is the LeBron flagrant on him last night, right? So obviously that's not Joel Embiid's fault, but. He kept going for the dunk even <laughs> after LeBron sort of like puts two hands on him. So he gets fouled, I think, by Marcus Gasol from behind. The whistle gets blown, and then LeBron kind of like puts two hands on him, seeming like in a in a pretty like non-aggressive way, but to like stop him. But <laughs> now it was the right call. LeBron did push off him with two hands. It is a flagrant. Well, he's near. Comments like, gonna be heated. <laughs> but why? Yeah, but why didn't why didn't Joel Embiid just like? brace himself you know they're, they're, they're like they're like the doris burke and, and mike breen right here like he had no chance to raise it's like no he just like kept going for the dunk like man, he was gonna get to the rim man he just never did man c flan out here blame the victim hard yeah my bad my bad Maybe that's not fair i just think like for a guy who missed the first two seasons of his career joel Embiid spends a ton of time like just getting knocked down it's like okay try try to stay on your feet a little bit more i understand the physical basketball but He's a seven-footer. So, like, like I, I think it's, he should... It's different if it's Kyle Lowry. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know? I, I, think, he should, I think he should throw the, the, the weight of his body around. He shouldn't throw his body around, if that makes sense. Yeah. Like, like, he should use his, his, like, hips. He should, like, back people down, but he shouldn't, like, fling himself at people. I don't know. 
I don't know. It seems like every play he was on the floor. So that's a bit of a sidetrack from the fact that Joel Embiid is like the leading MVP candidate. Like he's absolutely killing it so far this year. And that's been the key factor in the 76ers being the, the best team so far, in my opinion. I still got Brown for MVP. That's all uh, I'm saying. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and and the, the, the other thing, though, that's interesting about the 76ers is you would think that if they were, if you would have told somebody before the season, okay, the Simmons are going to start off and they're going to be 13 and 6. You would think that Ben Simmons and Joel Embiid would both be having like some yeah. kind of career years. The other interesting thing is like, from a scoring standpoint, Ben Simmons has been underwhelming. I think this is the lowest scoring average season of his career so far. Yeah, he's averaging 13, which is and worse than his rookie year. So Joel Embiid has played, I'm checking, 15 games. There's basically, there's been a like there's been two games this year where Ben Simmons has played without Joel Embiid. Yeah. And he, he like you would think that if if we're two superstars of the NBA team and I go down and you're averaging 20 a game. Yeah. I expect you to, you know, like take the if I'm shooting 20 shots a game, I expect mm-hmm. you to get 5 or 10 more shots. Exactly. So 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 Ben Simmons is is the all-NBA and all-star guy on this team behind Joel Embiid. And in the games that Joel Embiid hasn't been playing, Ben Simmons hasn't exactly stepped up the way you would hope he would. Um Unlike which you. makes of I, course, I, of, of course, course I would. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> FCF solos. The <laughs> It's. I mean, it makes the the build with Ben kind of argument a little bit harder. It is while Joel Embiid is out here looking like the MVP candidate in games that there is no Joel Embiid, and the argument is always, well, Ben Simmons would be a lot better if there was a team that was built around him. He doesn't look like yeah, and he, he doesn't look like special, you know, also, or more special than he does in an average game. Also, you know, like it, this team isn't perfect. Like honestly, I I'm personally. I've never got the whole. I mean, I understand it, but I've never been behind the whole Ben Simmons and Joel Embiid are incompatible. I've I've always thought that you know, you're like yeah, okay, you have two big dudes, one can't shoot, but you know, like if Ben Simmons just becomes a better scorer, or Joel Embiid, yeah. or Joel Embiid just becomes a thirty point per game score score instead of twenty six, then there you go. That that that's the end of your problem. And like yeah. honestly, this team is not built poorly around him. Um, Joel Embiid like can shoot the three ball if need be. Tobias Harris is a shooter. Danny Green is a shooter. Seth Curry is a shooter. Those are those are five dudes or those are four dudes surrounding Ben Simmons who can shoot the ball. I guess I would say the problem is that both of these guys should be living in the paint uh, on offense. Um, and when it gets down to the end of the game and they have their starting five in, they have their best five in. That's obviously going to include both Ben Simmons and Joel Embiid. They need them to, at least for defense, and they kind of need them for offense too because Ben Simmons creates a lot of transition just by being out there. And Ben Simmons is obviously a great playmaker, great rebounder. He does a lot of other things besides putting the ball in the basket. They need him out there. But part of the reason you can't go to Joel Embiid in the post at the end of the game the way that I, you would expect you know, to go to an MVP candidate center um, for you know, for the last possession of the game, is because Ben Simmons is is out there as well, and you can just double off of him. Now, that doesn't change the fact that like the go-to end of game possession also isn't going to your center, right? Like, think about it. the the Lakers of Anthony Davis, for example. Like the game winner that Anthony Davis hit in the playoffs last year. I don't know. I don't even remember which game it was, but he hit like a 
a three coming off of a screen yeah. from LeBron. He didn't like you know go down in the post. So given that's no longer the go-to like basketball player, the like efficient player, the, what what the analytics would say you should do, but. For a team that doesn't necessarily have the perimeter scorer that's going to go out and get you a bucket, unless it's Tobias Harris, but ideally Tobias Harris wouldn't be that guy, it, it, it makes it a lot harder for Ben Simmons or Joel Embiid to go do that when they're both out there on the court. Looking forward to the playoffs, yeah. I think that that problem will arise more in the playoffs than it will in the regular season. Yeah, I, I, I think that the 76ers you know, could easily be just be the, t- the third seed behind the Bucks and the Nets. That, that's where I see them. And you mean it's like the third, like the third most likely to make the finals? No, I'm, I'm just saying end of regular season. I think okay. I think yeah, they're yeah, going to be yeah, the yeah, three yeah. seed, and the Boston's yeah, yeah. going to be the four. Um, I also wow. think that I also think that the 76ers are going to get out of the first round. Um, and in re- like that was actually a somewhat hot take if you asked us at the beginning of the season because you have teams like. Um, that well, certainly wasn't a guarantee, yeah, right? Yeah, yeah. You te- you have teams like the Raptors and like the Heat and like the Pacers who are going. One of those teams is going to play the 76ers in the first round, mm-hmm. almost 100. percent And you would probably la- last year you would say, or e- even a month ago you would say, the Miami Heat are a better team. The Miami Heat have more shot yeah. makers. You'd rather take them, and, and I think that would be a great series. But I think even with the Miami Heat, I would probably have 76ers in seven. I don't know who's taking the last shot in Game Seven, but yeah, I no. think I think that they're just you know they're bigger. They have more shooting this year, which is like greatly what they needed. Um, and Steph Curry or Seth Curry has been pretty good this year as well. So yeah, I mean, I, I, I'm I'm buying into that this team gets out of the first round. I don't think that they're going to get past like the Bucks or the Nets or anything. The, th- the thing that like the Nets, okay, so the Nets will still be able to score in the 76ers, even though the 76ers are going to be an off- awesome defensive team always. Nets will still be able to score, but who's guarding Joel Embiid on the Nets? You know, like at this point, it's like Jeff Green. Um, but you know, we'll get to the Nets. I think that's kind of like next on on our agenda. But there's a legitimate case, like if the 76ers keep doing what they're doing, that they're in the finals, right? So I need I need a bigger sample sample size. I need to watch more mm-hmm. basketball. But like something something needs to change when they hit the playoffs for them not to be the finals team, right? They're the best team in the East right now. I don't know, dude. You could say that just They beat about, the Lakers last you could, night. You could just say that about any... You could say that about the Atlanta Hawks team that got swept by LeBron in, like, 2015. Yeah. Well, yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and so I'm not but saying like, they're no, going to make the really finals, Nothing really changed. But, it was just that LeBron was still LeBron. Well, they were definitely just, like, weren't the same team. Like, why did, Why could they just, like... Yeah, I don't know. I don't know. It, it, some teams are built for the regular season and some are built for the playoffs, obviously. But yeah. So, anyways... I'm yeah. buying 76ers stock, but I'm not buying, you know, to the, to the moon. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm, well, no, I, I don't think they're going to make the finals because it's too big of a jump, right? And now that that's biting me in the ass because I said they couldn't go from the seventh <laughs> seed to the first seed or seventh to the second seed or whatever. But I, I just think that's true. They're not going to go from losing the first round and making the finals, in my opinion. All right, let's talk about the Nets. Yeah. The I mean, la- the la- so the last, our last episode was about the fact that James Harden's now a net, but we haven't actually talked about him playing for the Nets yet. It doesn't feel real still. Yeah. You know, yeah, like, I know it, it just, it doesn't feel real seeing him in the, in that jersey. Mm-hmm. It, it seems unnatural. It seems like, like, oh no, like he's playing for like their own team. Like, oh, like, like that. I, yeah. I can't, I can't process it in my mind when I watch it. Um, when I do watch it, honestly, it's looked pretty good. Yeah. The, the, okay. It was hilarious that they lost two straight to the Cavs. Shout out to Colin Sexton. <laughs> Shout out to Colin Sexton. Um, <laughs> But on the whole, I think that they're working the kinks out. 
And again, yeah. the weaknesses that we thought were going to be there are there. The defense, like, I saw someone tweet that, like, like someone someone was like, oh, yeah, so-and-so went off against the Nets last night. Or they, they were just posting a highlight of, like, I don't know, someone dunking, and it was just mm. versus the Nets. But it, it was a good play. And then the top comment was like, was like, haven't we been over this highlights against the Nets defense don't count <laughs> <laughs> yeah yeah well the, the thing is like I, I think you could easily chalk up the Colin Sexton thing to like a fluke you know like Colin Sexton's not going to do that again um you know where he has like a 42 point game but against again the Nets, that, but it, like that says a lot about Colin Sexton but it, it says equal, more about the Nets yeah, defense right? the Nets and that's what I was going to say is is Kyrie and Harden in an ideal world would both be the kind of point guard that you put a defensive shooting guard next to or, or or in James Harden's case like you put Patrick Beverly next to him in Houston so that he doesn't have to guard other teams point guards you do, think about part of the reason Steph Curry and Klay Thompson are such a perfect match is not just because of the shooting but it's because Steph Curry never has to guard the other team's best you know best uh like backcourt player and Harden and Kyrie should fit into that same mold where they shouldn't be guarding the other team's best backcourt player, yeah. but it, it, you can't hide one of the, you know, if, if you're playing Colin Sexton and Colin Sexton's going off for 40, like, you can't just put Kevin Durant on him. You know, it's just that's, that's, a, that's a different kind like, of mismatch. It's not like Joe Harris is a clamp god either. Exactly. No, Joe Harris is a fine defender, but he's nothing special. Um, so, one of the reasons is, besides the fact they just don't have a rim protector, like, they also have two guards who are, are not known for their defense, you know? Like, yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, you could make the argument that both James Harden and Kyrie Irving are negative defenders. So, not not only, I mean, I think I think they're actually their wing defenders are fine. I think that Jeff Green, Kevin Durant, Bruce uh, Bruce Brown, those guys are fine. Like they'll be, they'll be okay. Wing defenders, but their their guard defense and their like their point guard and their center defense. Is I don't, like, th- I don't even think Jeff Green is a positive or maybe even a neutral defender. Well, either. the only reason that I say that Jeff Green is like even an is even like a, a, a neutral defender is because last night they went into overtime against the Hawks and the lineup that they ran was a small ball lineup with Jeff Green at the five, and. For whatever reason, they actually looked really good with that lineup. And Jeff Green became kind of an X-factor, um, like where they put him on the court, and all of a sudden they just got like, you know, three steals and eight <laughs> possessions or something like that. Like all of a sudden they just like, they were creating a lot of transition looks. And the thing that I'll say about the Nets is that if they get any momentum, it's over because the, the offense is just too ridiculous. So you can't let them get in transition. You can't let them hit a big shot or, or you're in serious trouble. I, I just but their defense is porous. Again, so I, again, like the 76ers, I don't think we have to worry about the regular season. It doesn't matter what seed they're going to be. Yeah. Cuz what you really care about is the playoffs. And mm-hmm. so I'm looking at the teams that are, are that are at the top of the East, and it's not a question of who has a better defense than them because the answer is 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 everyone, but it's who has a much better defense than them. And the answer which is alarming is all is all of them, right? Are, are they the worst team defense? <laughs> no, like like honestly, like if you if you go down the list of good def- of good teams in the East, they're like much more so than the West. Even the good teams in the East are really good on defense. Um, yeah, yeah. You, okay. you have the Bucks who are in, who are insanely good on defense. Um, the Celtics are very good on defense this year. Um, the Miami Heat, especially the Toronto mm-hmm. Raptors, for the past few years have been amazing on defense. Um, and the 76ers are, are amazing on defense. And, like, 
they're again like like not even someone like a Indiana who's like a who's like a pretty good defensive team, better defensive team it's than Miles Turner's carrying it. Yeah, yeah, but like that's a pretty good defensive team, mm-hmm. better defense than that. But there's that, and then there's like oh, actually, like this is the best part of this team is the defense. Yeah, yeah. You know, it, part of the thing that's scary for the Nets also is is it's not just a personnel thing on the defense, but it's also think about their coaching. Like part of the way that the that that teams in the east have stopped the bucks or they've stopped you know the sixers or you know a, a big thing in the in the playoffs becomes your defensive scheme against these top teams and, and you can expose Giannis, you can expose ben simmons and joel Embiid by coming with a defensive scheme that that works against their weaknesses um with steve nash is your coach and like mike d'antoni is the lead assistant like, those are kind of offensive-minded guys or Wait, inexperienced is, guys is he the is he their assistant mike d'antoni is one of their assistants I don't know if he's... I say he's their lead assistant. I don't know if he is. I'm just assuming he is because he's been an assistant coach. Did I know this? What? You probably heard it at some point. Wow. I, like, low-key forgot until I saw him on the bench last night. But, yeah. So, Mike D'Antoni, obviously, he was the... He was Harden's former coach in in Houston. Um, Not a defensive coach. (laughs) And then Steve Nash is... This is his first year as head coach. And so, if you're looking for somebody to come up with a defensive scheme, it's not going to be those guys. You know? So... In, in addition to to the the personnel problem of they of they need a rim protector and they could use some more wing defense, especially somebody who can guard a point guard as Colin uh, as Colin Sexton has shown. I, I don't know where the like defensive genius was going to come is going to come from that might be necessary to clamp up the the the, the box for the Sixers, even though that hasn't been too difficult for great coaches in the past. The one thing I would say is that in the playoffs. The, the one thing I will say that I'm optimistic about with the Brooklyn Nets is that I feel like their top guys, even like Harden and Kyrie Irving, they're not good defenders. I do have a feeling that like in the past you could argue like in Houston or or in or in like with the Celtics, mm-hmm. like did those two like really care? Did they really buy him? I think all three, including Kevin Durant, like very much care about yeah, this. Yeah, yeah, like, that's true. They, they are going to try on a possession-to-possession basis, especially in the playoffs, to like actually play very good defense. And honestly, that's that's half the battle when it comes to defense. Especially Absolutely. Because these guys aren't like very scrawny and slow. Like they they have like the athleticism to be like neutral defenders. And I think that effort is is half the battle with defense. It's it's three quarters of the battle with defense. In the same way that we were talking about, like a big part of the difference for Joel Embiid is just like the effort, the physicality. Like these are guys who knows what it takes to play winning basketball. And so those aren't going to be the kind of guys who lack motor or who lack, you know, like motivation or energy because they they know what it takes to win. And so I think they'll be able to turn it up in the playoffs. Um, The potential solution though, to their problem is one Andre Drummond who it's being reported it's only a matter that it's only a matter of time before he gets a buyout from the Cavs and ends up on the on the nets. Dude, Let me hear your thoughts. That yeah. would that would be so unfortunate for the league. Like I not I don't even want to acknowledge it mm-hmm. because that would just be so horrible. Like like just cuz it makes them too good or yeah, what? I, I think it makes them too good because but but also on the other hand like he is more of an offensive guy than a defensive guy too, so it's still a little funny. But I think just on the whole, the the one thing that's stopping this team from sweeping the playoffs is that their center position is horrible. Yeah. And if they get a former all-star who is still, you know, a very average starting quality center, which, again, they don't have right now, and yep. they're still playing winning basketball, then I think it's kind of clip. Yeah. I mean, 
if you'll remember in our last episode, I talked about that Zach Lowe ESPN article about the Harden trade, and he said that the Nets were going to dominate the buyout market and who's available potentially for a buyout, but, but Andre Drummond. And so if, if there are players who are looking to go anywhere, you know, if there are vets who are like three and D guys or, or who are in Andre Drummond's case, rebounding guys um, who, who have yeah. the opportunity to go anywhere, they're going to try to go to the Nets. The one thing I will say is, at first, I was like, "Oh, like how can like how can the Nets possibly afford this? They have the mid-level exception, which I think goes to either five or seven million dollars. Mm-hmm. I think seven would be enough to get Drummond, if depending on how good the buyout is. I don't know if Drummond's going to sign with the Nets for five mil, especially if he's not like gaining money, you know? Um, yeah, for, because right, right, be... because right now he's making like twenty-eight million dollars this year, and the Nets aren't going to buy him out for like twenty-five. But, but for him to be for him to be bought out, I think he would have to like like." If, if the Cavs are going to buy him out, he would basically have to be like, will you please buy me out? And in that case, he has... And, like, if will you please buy me out so I can go to the Nets seems to be, like, the direction this is heading. In that case, he has to know that, that that's that's the contract that's being offered. You know, he has to know that they can't offer, offer him more than that. And if you're Andre Drummond and you have the chance to go win an NBA championship, like, you've made your bank, you know, yeah. like, just something... Like, even so, you know, if he wins a championship, like he can go on and he can sign so like one other you know decently sized contract before he retires. But I think you, I like five or seven million dollars. Like that's not even like it's it's like you know it's not like he's being paid the veteran minimum. Like that's fine, he'll take that. I, I I at least I think to go win to go win a championship potentially. And um, talking about the fit of Andre Drummond, as you said, like he's no defensive specialist at all. He's not an elite rim protector. He's not going to solve their defensive issues, but he's a lot better than DeAndre Jordan right now on, on defense. Also, I think part, like, like there's a reason that when you look at, like, defensive stats or mm-hmm. even, in, like, in 2K defensive grades, one of the attributes or one of the stats you look at is defensive rebounding. Exactly, yeah. Because rebounding is part of defense because if you're letting up... You can't up, get a stop. Yeah, if, if you're, yeah, you can't get a stop if you let up offensive exactly. rebounds. No that's, matter, what, that's what I was about to say. Yeah. Is is if you just give up zero second chance possessions, like that's gonna that's really gonna knock down how many points teams can score against you. Because uh, you know you know if 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 you only get one shot against the Nets, they're gonna go down the other end. They're gonna take advantage of the, of the one shot they get or the two yeah. shots that they get. Yeah. And, and when Andre Drummond is on the floor, I mean he's averaging like 15, 14 rebounds a game this season. Watch out! Like you're not getting any easy second chances. Um, I feel like we don't appreciate that we're watching like top three rebounder of all time. Yeah, that's that's ridiculous. Yeah. And so, so you add, so even though the defense isn't special for Andre Drummond, you add that caliber of rebounding to this Nets team, that really does make a difference in the points that they will allow, even if it doesn't actually make them any more likely to just like stop you on a given look even though i think it does a little bit like i think Andre Drummond's better than deandre jordan as a as a pure rim protector and then on offense he can't shoot but like he's a lob threat like he does other yeah, things your center on, like, doesn't things necessarily offense. have to yeah. shoot if everyone else on the floor can shoot basically he's just a lot better than deandre jordan and, and you have to remember like Andre Drummond's only a couple years removed from like being an all-star like i don't i don't know when it would have been but probably like 2018 all they would have had four all-stars as of today, I think I still have the Bucks making the finals. Okay. Which I, I don't even know if that's consistent with what I said two weeks ago. Um, <laughs> <laughs> ignore that. Yeah. Um, I If they sign DeAndre Drummond, I think that pushes it over the edge for me. Yeah. And, and then on the Cavs side of things, why would they buy him out? 
you have to one remember they gave up nothing to get him yeah. they give like a second round pick and like dump some money i forget like who even player was but they basically gave up nothing yeah like nothing to get him so they got him for free they gave him away for free um and they also have like 10 centers we were talking about in the last yeah. trade like like open up the space for jared allen to start um so it makes perfect sense for the Cavs, in my opinion, too. So I don't really see any reason this wouldn't happen other than, like, if Andre Drummond wants more money than he can get. We'll see. Yeah. Next yeah. up, <laughs> let, okay, so next up, let's talk about the Clippers. Yeah. They looked very solid, which yeah. shouldn't be a headline. And honestly, <laughs> it isn't a headline because no one cares about the Clippers anymore. Yeah. Like, like, everyone just focuses on LeBron. But I think we should talk about it a little bit. I agree. I agree. And, and, the, and the question here is, like, do we fall for it again? <laughs> hey, I didn't like, fall for shit. You fell for it. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> but you would have, you would have guaranteed, you would have, like, you also would have considered, like, a guarantee that it was going to be a yeah. LA versus yeah. LA conference finals. Yes. I mean, so yeah, the question, like, do we fall for it again is, like, the Clippers right now are the third seed in the West. Actually, there are three teams in the West, the higher win percentage of the 76ers. So, and one of them is the Clippers. Kawhi and Paul George are both averaging, like, you know, 23 to 25 points per game on 50-40-90 shooting. Very efficient. Just, like, crazy splits. And it's kind of going under the radar. Um, it's been pretty quiet. And, and I saw, you know, shout out to my, my uh, apparently my favorite Instagram account, because I always talk about them, NBA Chop Shop. Yeah, I, I think put they, you on, bro. Yeah, NBA you did. Chop Shop is the group. I think, I think it was them who, who made this post, but it was talking about how Kawhi has just, like, created this formula where just, like, whatever he does in the regular season, <laughs> it does not matter. And, and, and a lot of it is because of load management, I think. Um, but, you know, to some extent, it's like, oh, it's also the thing of, like, okay, Kawhi, we've 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 seen him be a championship player, and we know he always turns it up in the playoffs and the finals. So it's kind of like whatever Kawhi does, it doesn't really matter. Like he'll be better when we get there. So that's yeah. another thing. So it's it's one load management. Two that Kawhi steps up, and three now is that the Clippers were were so good in the regular season last year and so bad in the playoffs that it's like you can't trust them. Um, and four, he says nothing, so that helps. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, that's that true too. But <laughs> so poop. all of those things combined, it's like. Nobody cares about what the Clippers are doing. Like the Clippers are the third best team, in the, the third best win percentage in the league, and nobody cares. Um, and and it's just really weird, but it's like they actually look very good. And, and so some part of me is like, oh, crap. You know, like, like, like in the LA versus LA Conference Finals, like it's actually going to happen this year. You know, like it, you, you want to like get excited about it, but it's, it's scary because you don't want to fall into the same trap again. Um, so I don't know. I guess I just wanted to even float that out there. I don't even like have an opinion at the moment, other than like honestly, I think what is going to happen this year is what I thought was going to happen last year, where you're going to have a you're going to have a Lakers Clippers Western Conference Finals. Okay. I think I think it's going to go six or seven games, and I think the Lakers are going to win. I think that the for, Clippers for, were like, and if, just one last thing for all the same reasons I said last year yeah. and that LeBron's LeBron and Anthony Davis is Anthony Davis, and the top two players are better than the other two top players. But also, they have added depth this year, so that actually super helps a lot too. The Lakers are way better this year than they were last year. Yeah. Um, and the Clippers, like you could say, maybe their like chemistry is better, but their roster's not. Um, and Lou Williams also sucks apparently. So <laughs> yeah, he's he's been he's been down bad, bro. Yeah, I don't I don't mean that, but Lou Williams has not been Lou Williams basically. Yeah. Um. But I, I guess 
Yeah, I, I don't know. I, I don't. <laughs> I don't. Like, I'm really a, kind of like at a loss for words of like what to think about this about this Clippers team. You know, and, and you know, some part of me thinks like it's going to be different this year, but at the same time, we have no reason to think it will be. Um, so sure. I guess just wait and see mode. I think Serge Ibaka has been quite good for them this year. I think it just adds a whole other. Yeah. It adds a whole other dimension than just having like Zubak or even at having like Montrez Harrell because. Abaka is more than run, jump, and dunk. Yeah. Abaka, you know, he can hit the mid range, which Montrez can really do. He could hit the three, which Montrez mm-hmm. can do, and he's a better rebounder than Montrez is on the whole. Just he's he's a bigger dude, um, and so I think that he, they should actually give him a little more more minutes. I feel like like he's he started all the games instead of Zubak, but I feel like they could work him in a little bit more. Just because I'm a I'm a pretty decent Abaka, Abaka guy. <laughs> I yeah. just think he's, like, the best big the Clippers have had in the past few years. Agreed. Yeah, yeah. No, uh, Serge Ibaka is very good, and and, and and I think that that'll be a difference maker. Yeah. Um, if there's if there's anything that you could attribute, like, this will actually change things, is that, like, Montrose Harrell was just bad last year in the playoffs, um, and that really hurt them. Uh, and you could also say that maybe that'll hurt the Lakers this year. That's a different story. But Serge Ibaka won't just be straight up bad. Like, maybe he... Yeah, I don't know. It, Serge Ibaka will be fine. Like that's just he's Serge Ibaka. Whatever. We know what we're getting. He's, yeah. You know he won a championship with the with the Raptors. Like I, he'll be he'll be good. Um. Anyways, so we've talked about the top team in the East. We've talked about one of the top teams. One of the top teams in the West. Now let's get to the statistically record wise. Yeah. Best team in the NBA, the Utah Jazz. I yeah, feel man. like year in and year out, people sleep on them. I think we even slept on them. Like in obviously, our, our like, obviously whatever, we didn't yeah. we didn't have them at number one but neither of us had them top five because in my head i thought donovan mitchell was going to get better but i thought joe ingles was going to get worse and i thought boyan would get a little bit worse which which he i believe has but yeah boyan's not been boyan um i i have a i have a couple things that i I want to talk about as like difference makers the first okay so so first of all the jazz are in a nine game winning streak or maybe it might actually be 10 now they might i think yeah they won last night again so it's 10 um crazy first of all they're adjusting really well um so shout out to quinn snyder for that the against the against the knicks the other day it evidenced this um austin rivers had that like 25 point first half where he went 10 for 10 and he didn't score in the second half damn dude that's crazy they also and, and so so that was also weird that like there was a they didn't the knicks didn't come out of the second half playing austin rivers so like that that also contributed to it i think but like, he just didn't score in the second half after having a 25-point first half. That's weird, right? So, okay, good adjustment by the Jazz. That And they also, I think the Knicks were up by, like, 15 at halftime or something in that game. Like, the Knicks were up, um, and, the, and the Jazz came back to win it. And so, partially, you could be like, oh, it's the Knicks, you know? But, like, that no matter what, that's an impressive adjustment. Something changed during halftime, and all of a sudden, the Jazz came out and were the way better team in the second half. The same thing was true a few games before, these, these are the two games out of this win streak that I've watched. They played the Pelicans, and the Pelicans absolutely could not miss in the first half from three. And in the second half, the Pelicans were quiet from three. And and so for whatever reason, teams are putting big, uh, putting up big offensive halves against the Jazz in the first half, and then the second half they go quiet. I mean, Quinn Schneider, top five coach in the league, easy. Yeah. Like, okay. And, and he, he has been for the past few years. Like the Jazz always overachieve. And they're doing that again this year. The Jazz also like are very streaky historically, mm-hmm. so maybe they'll just totally cool off. 
and then they'll just sink back down to the five seed or whatever. But if, you're, if you're bored and you're looking for something to do, go on like the <laughs> NBA. Do go on like NBA.com advanced stats like team and like look up the Jazz like first half stats or second half <laughs> stats. I have a feeling I'm onto something just by like the eye test and like this the, the games I've watched, but maybe not. <laughs> the, the couple other things is is one like Mike Conley's actually been good this year and he was not last year. That helps. Bojan Bogdanovic has not been as good. He's been horrible. His efficiency is much worse. And last year he averaged 20. This year he's averaging no, 12. I'm saying Mike Conley's been good. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Boyan's been bad. I'm Boyan's saying. been bad, yes. Which, yeah, yeah, yeah. Which, honestly, like, you could call, like, you would call him the third best player last year. Easy. Mm-hmm. And now he's not top four. Easy. Um, you, you, Mike Conley, even Royce O'Neal. Royce O'Neal is, like, one of those all-star role players. That you just that just every yeah team, that's true actually every team wants a Royce O'Neal because he Shout can he O'Neal. can clamp up and he's also you know just like a sniper from downtown. So I mean, Mike only has been elite, but he's been a little bit better than last year. That makes a difference is one thing. And then second of all. Huge shout out to Jordan Clarkson for like leading the league in bench scoring or like leading the league in bench points per game. I don't even know. Jordan Clarkson is like gonna win Sixth Man of the Year apparently. So really, oh yeah, he is. He is averaging eighteen. Yeah, and and, and so that's not even like as big of a step up from last year as you would you would think like in your head. He you know he averaged like almost sixteen last Maybe. year, fifteen point six. So he's been crazy efficient though. His, his yeah yeah he he's she's shooting like like fifty eight percent on twos. Yeah, which it, is super good for a guard. Yeah, but there. When you watch the Jazz, or when I, at least like when I watch the Jazz, every time Jordan Clarkson shoots, I like hold my breath. Like, or at least against the Knicks. Like, I guess this, I'm, I was assuming that I'm rooting against the Jazz, which isn't necessarily true. But, <laughs> jazz but when they play the Knicks, and I think they played the Knicks like two or three games in a row, I'm like holding my breath every time Jordan Clarkson shoots because it just you you get this feeling like it's going in. He's just been hot. Um, so shout out Jordan Clarkson for that. So he's also from downtown. He's been a sniper. He's only averaging like two free throw attempts per game so he's not really getting into the paint that much not drawing contract not drawing contact he's shooting seven and a half threes a game on 39 percent that's like that's like i don't know like prime like jj reddick numbers (laughs) it is yeah (laughs) 39 percent on a high efficiency like like very good find for the utah jazz and like he's one of those guys that he like like he made it to the nba because he has a superstar play style without being a superstar if that makes sense, like he just he goes and gets mm. buckets. So mm. I feel like if he was just a little like, well, he's he's like a perfect six man. Like he's just a yeah. perfect like spark plug. Let me get buckets off the bench because the Jazz bench can't score outside of Jordan Clarkson. But like he makes them a good scoring unit, like yeah, just yeah. by himself. It's impressive. Like the I think the, I think I, I don't know. Maybe it's not true anymore. But at one point the Jazz were like up there and like you know bench scoring, and it was like just all Jordan Clarkson. Like they didn't even have anybody else that was like killing it off the bench. Um, so yeah, and so all of that is with Donovan Mitchell actually missing some games, um, and like not being anything special. You know, like like not being any. I guess I shouldn't say that. Like Donovan Mitchell is special. He's missed one game, but he's he hasn't been like better than he was last year. Yeah, and I don't think Rudy has either. Like Rudy's been doing good things despite Shaq trying to dismantle his whole his whole career. Rudy Gobert got off to like a really <laughs> slow start. I think. I think maybe he missed some games too. But he he had a big game last night. He had like yeah. a twenty nine and. And twenty yeah. game or something like that, which is but respect, man. I don't know for whatever reason, like the Jazz are are really good without, you know, like Donovan Mitchell or Rudy Gobert, like setting the world on fire, which is yeah. cool. That, and that's a good sign because when that's they cool. when yeah. they when they do not if because Donovan Mitchell is going to set the world on fire eventually. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They if they're going to continue to be very very good, and I w- I would say honestly, given what we saw in the playoffs from Donovan Mitchell last year. 
watch out for this team in the playoffs. Definitely. Because they, they, they have that guy who can make shots. Definitely. They have, they have a better crunch time player than any of the 76ers players. Yeah, I mean, they were they were a 3-1 against the Nuggets. <laughs> Bro. Like, like they, were, they, they were, like, you know, I don't know, like, a, a couple minutes away from, like, be, being in the finals. Like, or not, sorry, not the finals. Like, the Western Conference Finals. Was it that would have been the Western Conference Finals? No. The Nuggets came back from 3-1 twice. They, they were, came back they from 3-1 twice to make the, the Western Conference. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They yeah, would have yeah, played yeah. the Clippers. Yeah. Okay. That's still insane. I don't know. They were, they, were, they were like a few minutes away from making it to the second round, I guess. Like like, like three different times. Whatever. <laughs> Whatever. I, I guess we shift towards like some trade possibilities real quick. Some, yeah. Some rumor mill. So, um, word on the block. Little Birdie told me. <laughs> by Birdie, I mean Twitter. Um, nice. That, that's good. Thank you. That, that Lonzo Ball and JJ Redick are open to being traded or the pelicans are open to having yeah, they're hearing like they're curing yeah. calls or whatever honestly i think this is a w for the jj reddick situation because jj reddick is an awesome dude and i want him to be in the playoffs because he's not getting any younger whatsoever and his streak was broken last man, year though that's depressing yeah but jj reddick also hasn't been very good this year honestly like no he has not he, he has not. his his three ball has not been falling he actually so he has an nba podcast and if you don't know jj reddick podcast you should go check it out after this episode but collab um, coming soon <laughs> yeah, yeah jj uh if you, if you see this but i think he's actually been talking about that on his podcast is like he's kind of been talking about like what it's like to be in a slump because he has been in a slump this year. Like that's that's just how it is. I remember he hasn't been shooting very well. I remember him talking with Duncan Robinson and, and just hearing that conversation, which is so illuminating into the life of a guy who gets paid millions of dollars to shoot a basketball into a hoop, like like I don't know six times a game, and yeah. and only two of them go in. You know. So, for reference, he shot forty five percent from three last year. He's shooting less than thirty percent this year. That's so, like that's aggressively bad. Yeah, yeah. For 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 JJ Redick, that's like really that's like really bad. That's, yeah, that's, that's the worst really, season because that's what he does. JJ is the shooter. Um, so will it turn itself around? Hopefully, but uh, but he's not doing anything to help the the, the Pelicans right now when he's not shooting well. And honestly, um, I think that will bring down his trade value. Definitely, definitely. And, and so uh, on one hand, if you're the Pelicans, it's like why sell low, but. On the other hand, it's also like he's getting up there in age anyway, and people know who Jay Jarek is. Like he has a reputation where he's been doing this for, you know, over a decade. So it's like I don't think that that you know a, a te- you know a, a fifteen game slump or whatever is going to like throw teams off. Like there are a lot of teams out there right now who would give their left arm for for JJ Redick. Um who would those teams be? I'm just trying to look. Like Philadelphia, they already have Seth Curry, but I think they could use. I mean, they would another... they would take JJ Redick yeah. if they could just get him back. You know, like yeah. Um, the, the question is like, what do you give? But in yeah. an ideal world, yeah, they take him. Yeah, so I think Philly could use JJ. I don't think Milwaukee. Um, actually, everybody would take him. Okay, like, th- there's a difference. Like, if you it. could have him, okay. everybody would take him. No, but I'm saying who actually would have a good yeah. interest in JJ Redick? Mm-hmm. I honestly, I think the Milwaukee Bucks actually would. I, I think. Yeah, la- I, th- I think last year they wouldn't necessarily because their bench was a lot better. But this year, their, their bench is much worse. Like, Kyle Korver's not really a thing for them anymore. They're relying on, like, DJ Augustine, who has not been good whatsoever. Yeah, that's true. Um, and, and, like, Bryn Forbes hasn't been that good either, has he? I know they signed yeah, him. Yeah, and, like, yeah, he's no, supposed to be a really yeah, good shooter, but, yeah, like, he hasn't been. He, is, he has not been good at all. Um, so, yeah, just on the whole, I think the Bucks would be a, a pretty solid option. Um, who else? I'm just looking at the top teams. I think Toronto has actually shot the ball really poorly this year, so I think they might... Take a swipe at JJ Redick again, just for another bench player. Um, the 
Uh, they, and actually, no, because the Clippers have Luke Kennard. I don't think they would necessarily need him to where they would go make a trade. But yeah, I think I think maybe like someone like the Blazers would take a shot. Just teams that teams that like are the teams that need to make one more. The teams that need to make one more trade. Like any team that that really wants to compete for the playoffs, like you could just use JJ Redick hitting a couple of threes for you. And, and JJ Redick is just so lethal because he would just get in a he would just get in a groove sometimes where he'll hit like four threes out of nowhere and in, that's just, in four that, possessions. That's your offense. It yeah. doesn't matter who else is on the yeah. court. <laughs> so he can he can be a one-man show at times, and he's not a star. And and so to have that is incredibly valuable. Um, and, and so that's what I mean is, like, like any team that's a contender, any team that is hoping to win playoff games this year w- would love to have that. Now, now getting that is, is more tricky, um, but I think that's why the Pelicans are willing to give them up is – the Pelicans know this is not their year to go win playoff games. They're probably not even going to make the playoffs. So you might as well capitalize on J.J. Redick's value now. On the Lonzo Ball side of things, I mean, he hasn't been he hasn't been great this year either. So that, that's one reason you trade him. Uh, another is that, like, his spacing isn't good. You know, like, you already have Zion. You extended uh, Steven Adams. Um, Which is weird. Yeah, Brandon Ingram is... is a good shooter, but like doesn't necessarily specialize from behind the arc, you know, like he's, he's a, he's a bucket getter, you know, not like a, like a wing shooter, you know? So they have guys who, who need spacing, but don't necessarily space themselves is I guess what I'm trying to say. They need to space the floor. Yeah. And, <laughs> and so then you might be like, why you cheer JJ Redick? It's like, well, JJ Redick has, I guess like more value as to do. I don't know. I don't know. JJ Redick doesn't fit the timeline. There's more things there, but if you traded, like Drew Holiday for a bunch of first round picks. I don't think you have a problem getting rid of Eric Bledsoe, honestly. That's Agreed. what it comes down to. But that's another thing is is I think if the first point guard they should trade is Eric Bledsoe, not Lonzo Ball. That's I, what I, I that's what I think. But I agree. The, maybe the, Eric Bledsoe doesn't have value. Maybe that's why you trade Lonzo Ball. But I think they should look to flip Eric Bledsoe first because that's really not helping. You. The same thing I just said about the spacing with Lonzo Ball are true for Eric Bledsoe. I agree. And I, the problem is they're playing side by side. They're playing Lonzo yeah. with the shooting guard a lot, which if you that's really if you good. said that to me like as he was about to be drafting, I would say like why would yeah. you like that's not at all who yeah. he is. And yeah. even though Lonzo isn't what we thought he was, that that still remains true. Lonzo Ball's not a shooting guard no matter how mm-hmm. tall he is, right? Mm-hmm. And so I think that the pathway, I agree with you. I think you would try to explore the market for Eric Bledsoe. If that doesn't work, maybe you, maybe you can trade Lonzo. It just depends on the package. But I would have to be pretty impressed with the package. Um, the other thing would be they might not want to pay Lonzo Ball. Yeah, that's because true, Because Lonzo Ball could, like, get a bag just because he's Lonzo Ball. Yeah, no. It, the, the, the thing is, like, they're basically any team that is not going to make the playoffs for the next three years should should be willing to trade for Alonzo Ball. Because the, the Pelicans are not going to get much for him. They'll get, like, a first-round pick and two kind of, like, mediocre players, I would guess. You know, like, like things like, so guys make the money, money work again, that, that, that would be a decent package exactly. for, for if what the Knicks did, If the Knicks did that, I'd be like, yeah, cool. That, like, that's exciting. I'm excited to have Alonzo Ball and, like, see what happens. Because we're not doing anything else. You know, we're chilling. Like, come... Come join the like the squad, and we'll see what happens. Is we'll he good? Ra- is we'll he rack good? up another point guard that can't shoot? <laughs> exactly. Is he good next to Mitchell Robinson, R.J. Barrett, and Julius Randle and Obi Toppin? Absolutely not. But you know, like we'll give it a shot. We won't shoot threes ever. <laughs> we won't shoot threes ever. It doesn't, doesn't help the fact that we're dead last in points per game and first in opponents' points per game. But it doesn't doesn't help flip that. You know, so that we're I don't know. The, the one Whatever. thing that Lonzo does that makes you, or rather, what he doesn't do that makes me upset is. 
he does not shoot the basketball at all. Like, no, like not, not like not, not like a three point yeah, shot. No, no, he just doesn't he take just, shots. He doesn't attack the rim mm-hmm. at all. Like there, which he should do. He's six six. There are like you can Google Lonzo Ball being passive. Yeah, and a, a compilation will come up where Lonzo Ball. Like there have been times this year where he is a wide open lane to the rim, and if you flash back to L.A., he would he would go ahead and he would dunk that. You know, like he would, mm. he would cock it back and he would throw it down. I don't know. I, I don't even like remember him so and, much like, like being uh, aggressive as a rookie, but like it's just like, nothing like, like high school like, mixtape no, about like, Alonzo yeah, that people think no, but of. The, in, in, the, in the compilation that I actually saw, yeah. there was a side by side, and Lon- there there's yeah. two exact same thing. And obviously, it's it's circumstantial, but selective, like, the, you know, yeah, yeah. yeah like he, he would attack it. Whereas in New Orleans, he has an open lane a lot of the time, and he goes up and he jumps and then he passes to like a a guy that has a much worse shot than he does. Mm-hmm. If he doesn't do it, like, like if, if you don't make it, like, so what, dude? You're you're right next to the rim. Like, no one's blaming you for taking yeah. a shot. That's still good offense. I guess we should talk about Derrick Rose because there's some new news that that the Pistons, the same way that the uh, that the Pelicans are listening to talks or to trade calls for Alonzo Ball and JJ Redick, the the uh, the Pistons have kind of made Derrick Rose a little available. And the two teams that have been in conversations. Mm-hmm were the Los Angeles Clippers and the New York Knicks. And those are two very different teams. Yeah. In very different different yeah. situations and very different places in the conference standings. For the Knicks, uh, so with the Knicks because I'm a Knicks fan. And so I like I, I like it because it helps their scoring, but like I don't want to give a, like anything real for Derrick Rose, is I guess what I would say. Yeah, exactly. Like, I, I don't want to give anything up. Derrick Rose isn't at the point <laughs> of his, at his, in his career where I'm like, yes, let's throw a first-round pick at the Pistons. But I would definitely take Derrick Rose. He's exciting. He'd like you know sell tickets and get hype for the you know for the Knicks and we've zero scoring at exactly. our point guard position. He yeah he's better than Alfred Payton and you know he's a he's everything that we hope Emmanuel quickly turns into. <laughs> yeah that really literally <laughs> yeah. actually yeah literally. So you know I, that would be cool. I just like I just don't want to give much up. You know like that's 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 that. Um, and then for the for the Clippers, Derrick Rose or other ball handling or you know insert other ball handling point guard is what the Clippers need Kawhi complained about that last year that like Patrick Beverly's not that basically and so the Clippers just need a ball handler and a floor general because they don't have that honestly Derrick Rose is not some tremendous passer I, w- I wouldn't call Derrick Rose a better passer than Patrick Beverly he's not even he's not even a, a a tremendous passer but he's a better just offensive player and so part of the problem is that Patrick Beverly is a, is a defender playing the point guard position and so it's on Kawhi to bring, like, even, like, bring the ball up the court. Or, like, Pat, or Paul George to bring the ball up the court. And so, you don't have anybody to get those guys the ball. And so, even if Derrick Rose isn't a great, isn't, like, you know, anything special in passing, you know, which you really, what he's really coveted for is his explosiveness, his ability to attack the rim, you know, his pull-up mid-ranges, whatever. Um, the, just the, the, the ball handling and the explosiveness and the threat on offense that he would bring is a lot more than Patrick Beverly brings on that end. And so at this point, I think you would rather have Patrick Beverly as a sort of come in off the bench defensive specialist than as your def- than as your starting point guard if you're the Clippers. It's a matter of what they would give up because I, I yeah. found, as, as hearing you talk, I, I agree that I think this team could totally use Derrick Rose because if you look at their guard rotation, mm-hmm. you have Patrick Beverly and you have uh, Lou Williams who... Is honestly just a worse version of Derrick Rose at this point, and Derrick yeah. Rose is a worse version of what Lou Williams was two years ago. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's a little bit of a cycle there. And Reggie Jackson also has just been uh, and same with Terrence Mann. Um, Luke Kennard isn't and isn't isn't a one guard. He's more of an off ball player. 
And so I think that they could use a guy to just, you know, like bring the ball up and just get a bucket on an opposing guard. Whereas Lou Williams and Luke Kennard and Patrick Beverly, if they have a bad defender on them, they're not doing that, whereas Derrick Rose would. So I actually, I think that the Clippers should make this trade. Um, Maybe you could trade Daniel Otoru, who they drafted this year with like the 32nd overall pick or something like that. I don't know who else you would offer. And they probably don't even really have any picks left is the other yeah, thing. Yeah, yeah, So it gets tricky to make this work. Um, but also... But the, if, the, if they can pull it off, they should. Also, yeah, the, the Derrick Rose won't be on the Pistons next year. So yeah. the Pistons are going to be very willing no, to trade. No, yeah, like, exactly. Like, we saw Andre Drummond get, get traded last year for nothing and, fr- and, from the Pistons. I think the same thing could happen with Derrick Rose. I agree. And, and even though we're hearing this talks now, these talks now, it doesn't necessarily mean that Derrick Rose is going to be traded in the next month. That could This could be all the way to the deadline, at which point he's even closer to leaving the Pistons, right? So so eventually the Pistons will become even more and more desperate to just like, get Derrick Rose off the roster, basically. The last like really quick thing is that Bradley Beal looked pissed last night. He looked sad. He looked like he wanted to trade. Bradley Beal, from, from the NBA fans across the world, <laughs> it's probably time, bro. Yeah. There was <laughs> there was a comment where he, where he was like, are you frustrated? And... He said, is the sky blue? Which, on the one <laughs> hand, like, if, if you just read that on paper, that does sound like he's asking for a trade. But on the other hand, like, I don't, like, there's something... You can be frustrated. Yeah, exactly. Not, yeah. Exactly. Like, like I, I feel like if he was frustrated, he actually wouldn't say he was frustrated, you know? Yeah. And, like, there's, there's a difference between, like, frustrated well, can... and asking for a trade. Because, like, uh, the, aside from what James Harden did... No player has ever, like, been hostile like that in an interview, in a public interview, and just asked for a trade. They usually beat around the bush a lot. But Mm -hmm. Bradley Beal confronting it actually gives me faith that, you know, like, like, yeah, like, he might, he might just be not, he he might be upset with the situation, but he's not furious with the management and and begging to get traded to insert team i think he's partially frustrated because he expects better from the team as in he as in he's frustrated because he spent his whole career in 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 dc he's become an incredible player he's literally leading the league in points per game he's a a star if not superstar at the moment he and he didn't even make the all-star team last year so it's just like i think that he would love to spend the rest of his career in dc and he would and he would love to like keep giving back to the city but at some point, it's like his efforts are going nowhere, and I don't even think that necessarily that means he's like, I gotta get out of here. I think it's just a genuine frustration with like, no matter what I do, it's not enough with the roster that we have. You know, he put up forty-seven in a loss last night. Hey man, for context. What are the odds we're talking about next week? The Bradley Beal trade? Who knows? It's it's, it's possible. Yeah. Um, I mean, even so, I don't think it'll happen until closer to the deadline. Yeah. But it's worth talking about because it seems like tension is building. Because Russell Westbrook is not playing well. He's sitting there literally holding his head in his hands after a 47-point game in which they lost. And um, and, and then that that is the Sky Blue interview thing. (laughs) Trend trend is, is, I'd say, not looking good for Wizards fans. But don't lose hope. Amen. We'll keep an eye on it. I know you, the viewer, will totally keep an eye on it. Mm -hmm. And look for more videos because we're going to cover anything that does happen. (laughs) Of Uh, course. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of Space of Floor. We hope you enjoyed. If you're listening on YouTube, like and subscribe. Uh, Also, subscribe to us on Apple Podcasts and Spotify. Follow us on Instagram and Twitter as well. And thank you so much for watching. My name is Connor Geelan. And I'm Connor Flannery. And see you next time. Peace. Shout out to Derek Rose and Tom Thibodeau being reunited. Hey, shout out to Kobe, man. One year. Thank you.